This is Island, a podcast presented by FHL Bank Atlanta. Good morning, everybody, and welcome uh, to Earning Fee Income, uh, Winning Relationships, and Being Competitive in a Low-Rate Environment. I'm Patrick Rutledge. Uh, my role at the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta is to help our shareholders use our uh, letter of credit products to help their customers, whether that be uh, from a depository standpoint or from a lending standpoint. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about a tool and a structure using that letter of credit that Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta has to help you in this environment. On a recent call um, with the CEO of one of our shareholders, he said two things that I want to share. And the first thing he said was that uh, they're in a war right now from a competitive standpoint. Um, Pricing, they needed to win every uh, opportunity they could get, every incremental opportunity to add value to their business. And that it was just a really tough competitive environment, that everybody uh, was chasing the same dollars, everybody was chasing the same loan customers, and this interest rate environment was not helping. Uh, second, he asked if the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta had any new uh, products people were using to get those kind of wins. And so um, what I would say to that overall is our products and services at the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta are pretty much the same over time. Um, our advances, our affordable housing, our safekeeping, letters of credit, but sometimes we do tweak those or, or, or update them for the current environment, like our SOFR advances or, uh, or when we look at e-notes for our mortgages and, and moving forward there, but they're mainly the same. Uh, what changes is really the market. And right now, the uh, extremely low front-end interest rates um, are, are what's creating an opportunity for the strategy that we're going to talk about today and how you can apply our product in this different market environment to get some wins and uh, to help continue to grow value in your organization. So our letter of credit product typically uh, is divided up into three uses, one being public unit deposits. Most of our shareholders are aware of that. Uh, we collateralize your, uh, your deposits so you don't have to use your securities to do so. We also provide standby and confirming letters of credit directly for you all as shareholders, whether you have an obligation that needs a letter of credit that we can provide on your behalf or whether you're providing a letter of credit for your customer and for some reason the beneficiary won't take it. So we confirm it. And then the third use, and that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today, is the confirming um, bond issue. Uh, they're called VRDNs, low floaters, taxable floaters. They've been around a long time. As I said, our products and services haven't changed that much. But what happens is the market kind of moves in and out of uh of times that it's that some products and services can be applied differently or make more sense. And if you look at letter of credit usage over time, it has really grown. Um, This is not um, from left to right over time, but this is all the different banks in the Federal Home Loan Bank system as of the end of 2019. You can see Atlanta is uh, is well above the other banks in the system uh, for 2019. Now, going forward into 2020, that's going to look a little different, and that's going to go back to that market change that I was talking about, and you all have experienced it where liquidity has just become so abundant. Uh, Our deposits have grown very rapidly. Uh, Our loan-to-deposit ratios are down, and liquidity is just uh, drowning us all, including the federal home loan bank system, and so that has uh, changed the way that our shareholders are approaching and using their federal home loan bank line. But in the past, 
um, those letters of credit, uh, those balances that we saw, we were over 30 billion for year into 2019. Uh, what made that market uh, so successful for those letters of credit? Or one, they were operationally simple, right? There's no valuation or market for the collateral. You're not having to go out and, and track that. And so you spend less time uh, and your staff spends less time in reporting, reviewing, monitoring. Uh, and, and there's no getting signatures, worry about timing. It's just a very easy to use product. Uh, they're also cost effective at nine basis points. And we got credit toward our liquidity ratio when we pulled our securities back out of pledging and we were able to use our uh, loan collateral to the home loan bank instead, which also made us more profitable because now I can turn around and use those funds for lending uh, on, on a higher yield security or, or maybe a loan opportunity or mortgage, whatever, instead. Well, today we're not as concerned about our liquidity ratio uh, in this environment. And so it kind of changes up the mix of our federal home loan bank line. Because of that, we have that additional collateral kind of available uh, to use. Uh, the market premise today is that rates are back to all-time lows. Um, we got a little relief over the past few years. Rates started to rise, but now they're back down uh, on the front end as low as they can be. Um, but also because we're, we're so liquid as a whole, all of our shareholders, we aren't having to tap into that federal home loan bank collateral for advances. Um, we're not as worried about our dry powder. We're not worried about collateral constraint. So now uh, that collateral constraint uh, that, that was there in the past is not as prevalent. And so what we're seeing now is that more shareholders are uh, free to use the other applications and the market with the interest rates so low, we're really starting to see people come into the letter of credit product for this lending use again. And so that market, you know, out there in the world kind of tells us we've, we had, you know, five deals come into the Atlanta home loan bank in one week um, recently and the federal home loan banks across country are experiencing the same thing. And so we're going to talk about that today and how our shareholders are out there using the letter of credit um, to win business, to earn some fee income, and to get new relationships. To do that, I want to start with looking at uh, just setting up the premise of the structure, and I want to talk about how a regular loan looks under that, under that structure. So when we look at providing a loan to one of our customers, uh, we start with our customer and we start with our shareholder. And we've got that credit relationship in between. And that credit relationship is, you know, the collateral that they bring, their debt service coverage, their ability to generate cash to pay us back. Um, it's their personal guarantees. It's the loan covenants that they live by, right? So that credit relationship is directly between that customer and you as a shareholder. And in exchange, uh, for that credit relationship and the signing of a note, that's the promise to repay, we provide the funding directly to our customer. We write them a check uh, for them to make uh, their project happen, whether that's construction, whether it's to build something, whether it's to buy something, we provide that funding directly. Um, I wanted you to imagine a third uh, kind of circle over here to the right of you um, that is maybe your depositors or the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta uh, your shareholders, whatever it is, where the funds flow from them into you, and then you pass those along through funding to your customer. And that brings up a, a point. If you're taking notes today for this presentation, that's probably the first thing I would star is that, uh, is that we often, when comparing, you know, different financing structures, 
we have a cost of funds. And because we have a cost of funds and we're paying our depositors one thing and our, our customer on the loan side is paying us another, we have interest rate risk, right? That's what our ALCO is all about. And so our source of funds creates kind of that other, uh, that other problem of interest rate risk and cost of funds that we have to figure into that relationship. And so keeping that in mind, if you move from that loan uh, relationship to uh, this letter of credit structure on a confirming letter of credit uh, bond issue, we're going to keep that original. So let's focus back on ourselves uh, as the shareholder and look at our customer and that credit relationship and all that's the same. In this instance, now we're just going to, instead of a note, we're going to have a letter of credit that you issue out to the beneficiary. Think of that kind of like the depositor, right? Those are the bondholders uh, in this scenario. Those bondholders are going to provide in exchange for that letter of credit. They're going to send the cash around you directly to your customer. And so now we've eliminated that interest rate risk. Okay, that's between your customer and those bondholders at this point. We've also taken, um, taken the cost of funds out of this scenario uh, for this. And so that underlying transaction, while maybe priced differently, we oftentimes don't factor in that we've lost our interest rate risk and that our cost of funds has gone to zero in the transaction. So um, again, the way this works is you replace your note with a letter of credit to the beneficiary, who, who let's think of those as the bondholders, they write a check to your customer, and the Federal Home Loan Bank Atlanta comes in to provide the confirming letter of credit uh, to make the deal work directly to the beneficiary, to those bondholders. And what our letters of credit say is basically um, our underlying customer, your underlying customer as the shareholder, is going to pay their principal and interest payments. So this structure that we create using a letter of credit just allows your borrower to go access financing out from the capital markets at a, uh, at a low interest rate. Okay, and that's just a very brief kind of overview of that. And we don't need to get caught up in the structure and the legal details and everything um, because the Federal Home Loan Bank and our partners, we walk you through kind of how to set everything up just to understand in general where those funds are coming from and what makes this uh, this work. And we'll go into that interest rate here uh, here in a few slides. But we often get asked, why does the Federal Home Loan Bank need to be part of that transaction. Why are they coming in to provide this confirming letter of credit? We're gonna, we're gonna provide a letter of credit on behalf of our customer directly to this beneficiary. Well, in this structure, those, those bondholders are always, uh, these are money market funds, okay? And they've got uh, covenants themselves where they need to invest in investment grade um, bond ratings. And so, our shareholders, even even in the occasion that they are rated, you need to be on this left side. You need to be investment grade. And what happens is if, if you're not or you get downgraded, there's fluctuations, there's risk. Um, if you get into the speculative side on the right, um, then you get into trouble because those bonds cannot, cannot be held by these investors. And so what the Federal Home Loan Bank does is just provide a very stable uh, AAA, AA plus um, rating for the bondholders to be happy with. And so in exchange for that, they're willing to write that check to fund that deal and that transaction structure that we saw, uh, and they're willing to get paid a very low interest rate to do so. So I wanna also talk about 
the reason that our shareholders are, are using these in this interest rate environment and kind of what it looks like. And this is, this is just kind of a hypothetical, but just imagine a customer relationship where you have your deposits, um, you have your cross sales, everything somebody might use. And that's the relationship that we're going after. That's what we want to win. Okay. Um, and if that commercial uh, business customer has a loan need, okay, you've got this loan. And what we figured out over time, or what we know to be true, is that in order to win the depository relationship, in order to win all the uh, parts of the relationship that come with it, the entire share of wallet, is that the institution that figures out how to make that commercial loan is going to win the deposits, the ACH, uh, everything else, all the cross sales, okay? And so in order to get uh, the full relationship, we've got to figure out that financing. And what we see happen in this rate environment is that sometimes we just can't win that commercial loan with the pricing that we have available. Um, we sit around in loan committee, we sit around at Alco, how do we match that rate? We just have to let this one walk. We can't touch that. That competitor's crazy. Um, and so we lose the commercial loan and therefore we lose everything else. But we have all these other tools uh, as lenders available to us, whether that be, you know, tax credits, it can be the SBA. If your, uh, if your customer says to you, hey, I need to make a 10% down payment, and you say, well, our loan policy is 20. Well, the SBA makes us okay with a 10% down payment because we get that 50% loan to value that comes along with it. And so we've learned uh, that there's a trade-off there. We get a lower loan balance, but we get a 50% um, loan to cost and we get uh, the customer gets their 10% payment and so we're happy with that and it can be USDA it can be the state small business credit initiative maybe they need to be in an uh, ABL or it could be this letter of credit structure and so the point is that we've got this toolbox and that our letters of credit should be part of that in order to help us win business and so just like that SBA loan where we've said hey I'm going to move to a 10% uh, down payment, even though 20 is what I normally look for, uh, this letter of credit is something where we need to learn, hey, I'm going to lose my uh, cost of funds on this. I'm going to lose my interest rate risk, which are pickups. Um, and so I'm going to use this letter of credit um, to win this deal. And we just need to know the ins of outs of why it makes it a successful transaction. And that's what I want to talk about um, next. And that's on the profitability of the relationships. So oftentimes, and this is that is point number two, point number one being, um, you know, our cost of funds and our interest rate risk have gone to zero, and that helps make um, the relationship more profitable when we use a letter of credit as compared to a loan. But if you look at um, back at a commercial loan and you have, a uh, let's say, a customer comes in and they're just a deposit customer, and I made these numbers up. They don't mean anything and they may not be realistic, but the point is you have a commercial loan and it earns some ROE and you have a, uh, and you have a deposit and it earns some ROE. And we've all got, uh, we've all got some kind of pricing metric that we use. Sometimes they're formal. Sometimes it's a web-based uh, platform where we enter in. Here's our deposits. Here's our fees. Here's our loan rate. And it spits out some ROE. Uh, that we're going to get for the relationship and then we compare it to our hurdle. It doesn't meet it and we price it lower anyway because we have to do that to win the business. Uh, and some, some uh, institutions just have a guy. Uh, some of us just kind of stick our thumb in the air and, hey, what's it take to win this deal? Um, but no matter what method you use, right now it's really tough uh, because rates are so low. But in this example, you've got this commercial loan and it earns some ROE and that's your typical ROE that you're used to seeing. And then you pick up maybe the deposits. And so there's some overall relationship 
return, right? You make a certain amount of money on this client based on the products and the services that they use. And you were able to do that with your loan and you got some deposits. If you look, if you go back to a letter of credit, here's that second point. The, uh, we look at that letter of credit and we look at the pricing for a letter of credit. We compare it to a loan. We haven't factored in the fact that our cost of funds, and our interest rate risk have gone to zero. And we look at it and it might be lower um, than the pricing that we would make on a commercial loan. And so we instantly say, this is lower than what I'm used to. And so therefore it cannot be profitable. So I want to walk away from that. But in this instance, if you look at a customer, and again, these are made up numbers, but it's to illustrate the point that a full service relationship, when you look at all the different products and services that they use and the combined effect they have on the relationship overall, you know, when we looked at that loan relationship that just had a loan and a deposit, but that we do that all day to get a 20% ROE or whatever our number is, you can do the same thing with a letter of credit. If you have a full relationship and a good overall ROE, even though the pricing on the letter of credit may be lower than what you're used to seeing on a loan, it doesn't mean that the entire relationship can't be profitable and accretive to the value of your organization. So that's the second point I would make um, is that while the pricing is lower on a letter of credit, the overall relationship that you're going after to win um, can be better and accretive and, and a good return overall for the bank. And also the thing that we don't take into consideration is once we win this relationship and we have the deposits, we have the ACH, we have the customer set up on a remote deposit capture, everything that they have in their end, uh, they're our customer. And then, you know, two years, three years, I need a second location. I need to expand uh, another line in my manufacturing facility, whatever it may be. Now they're coming to us and maybe the market uh, has changed and we're going to do an own balance sheet loan and we're back to kind of doing our bread and butter. But what opened the door uh, and what brought us the new customer, the new name, the new relationship and helped us grow our business was that letter of credit product. So to summarize those benefits to you, one, this is a fee income product, okay, and that impacts our ROA. When I'm going to make a loan for $5 million, I'm adding to my assets and I'm adding to my interest income. When I'm going to make a letter of credit, I'm not moving my assets any, but I'm increasing my fee income. So it just directly impacts your ROA. Um, it also helps you establish and retain business relationships. This product is not meant to take the place of, of your lending activities. Um, it's not meant to be cannibalistic and it won't be. What it's meant to do is to take a customer relationship that you were not going to win anyway uh, and convert that into a win. Um, it's also a balance sheet management tool because now we're off balance sheet um, and the interest rate risk has been transferred from your organization to the, the borrower who is going to take the interest rate risk. And we often hear um, from our customers, hey, this is a big bank thing. This is something that, you know, I know Bank of America is out doing. I see Wells Fargo in my market doing this. I've lost some deals to them. This is a, this is a big bank thing. And, and 80, uh, 81% of these transactions are done by the largest banks in the country. Uh, but the point I'd like to make is that if you look also, uh, and this is just kind of a short list that, that one of our partners provided us of, of small community banks doing this deal. And I haven't included anybody from the Federal Home Loan Bank District. This is just 
this is just outside of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta because I didn't want to use any of our shareholders and say, hey, this bank is doing it, this bank is not. But these are banks outside who are doing these deals. And a lot of these deals are done in Atlanta. East West Bank has done deals uh, in our Atlanta market. Um, and so what I want to illustrate is that this is not just a big bank thing. This is this is a, a product and service that a lot of our smaller community-oriented uh, banks, our credit unions have even used this. Um, and so it's just a product that you can win. If, if you are going to do a transaction in a commercial structure, you can use this structure as well. Now, this is really kind of what makes this a very appealing thing uh, to your clients. And this is the pricing breakdown of the different components of letter of credit backed bonds. Okay, the first thing that your customer is going to pay is a variable interest rate. And that is at an all-time low of 15 basis points today. And then you, when you add in your trustee and your remarketing, and then I've included a letter of credit fee of 1.5%. Now, you might negotiate something that's one, you might negotiate something that's two, but, but we're kind of seeing between one and a half and two right now. So that's just what I picked um, to use in this example. And then we have a federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta confirmation in there for about 20 basis points. That would be our pricing on a $5 million transaction. And so it brings that total to 2.015%. Um, that is a very attractive interest rate. Um, it's, a, it's a floating interest rate, but if you look at Wall Street Journal Prime, we're at three and a quarter today. Um, and so there's just a lot of room on the table for you to earn a nice letter of credit fee and good income while competing uh, in this environment. And then you've got some hypothetical fees there um, just to show as an example. But that, that rate uh, is kind of where you would start today with a letter of credit fee of 1.5%. So if you're having those conversations, if you're in your ALCO, if you're in your loan committee meetings, and it's that, man, we'd really like to win this relationship, but we're going to lose to this competitor because they're throwing something out there that's crazy. We're just not comfortable with this rate. Maybe looking at it from this standpoint is a way for you to earn a good ROE, you know, going back to our pricing slides, um, without taking that interest rate risk that's making you sit around the table and say, we just don't want to touch that. Um, and so you win that customer um, in this environment where every incremental win counts, where every gap opportunity um, that you can explore, it adds value for your for your institution um, should be looked at it because it is very tough and we are in kind of a, comp uh, a competition war right now for customers. This is um, to give you an idea of just how valuable of a time period it is when these interest rates are low. If you look um, over the last 20 years, you can see we've ranged everywhere from six and a half down to the 15 basis points. And from 2009 and 10 until about 2015, we were in that low range in the 20s and 30s down to about 15 basis points. And it was a great time and we saw a, a big uptick in this business. And then we kind of moved away from it over the last five years um, as interest rates began to rise. And you looked, we were, we were above 2% back in 2019. And at 2% floating, there was just no room between that uh, and what you were willing to offer as a fixed rate. And so this product wasn't that useful in such a flat interest rate environment. But back down now in that 15 basis point range, you know, in an all-in cost of about 2%, we've got room between that and, uh, and where fixed rates are on commercial loans that, that make this competitive. And like I said, the Federal Home Loan Bank system as a whole is now seeing uh, these transactions come in. 
signaling, the market signaling us, hey, now is the time um, that these are very advantageous to us. And as we also discussed, now um, it's also different between the, uh, the other periods we've seen in the past, the liquidity position of our shareholders is different. So now your collateral constraint and your lines are freed up. You have some room to take advantage of this, uh, of this product. And I want to talk just a little bit about the, the process and the procedure, what this looks like and feels like to your customer, um, and kind of take some of the, uh, some of the mystery out of this financing structure, um, and really show it's kind of a simple thing. And for you, it's really going to look and feel like the same process you use uh, when you make a loan. And you're going to start by just underwriting the transaction. You're taking the credit risk. You're still going to have all the same things you had if you made a loan. You're going to have your note. Uh, you're going to have, I mean, we're not going to have your note. You're going to have a letter of credit, but you're going to have your guarantees and you're going to have your collateral. So you're just going to underwrite the customer uh, according to your uh, loan policy as you would in the past. And you're going to look at their ability to repay and you're going to say, yeah, we're comfortable with this credit, uh, credit risk or not. And that's where you're going to start. Then in your due diligence, where you're going to look at the value of the collateral, you're going to look at environmental, you're going to look at, you know, the legal ramifications, you're going to look at the, you know, have a cost review done if this is a construction project. Everything else is going to feel the same. So the process to both you and your customer uh, is going to be identical uh, from the standpoint of what it looks and feels like compared to a normal loan through the credit approval process and through your due diligence leading up to closing. When you get ready to close uh, this process, uh, close this transaction, you're going to submit an application to the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta. Our staff is going to come in and work with you um, on the timing, the calendar of what it all looks like. Uh, you're fully supported by Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta staff, so you, have, you, you need to have no experience in doing this. We will come in from the time you issue the term sheet. And we'll use our, you know, our partners in the market, the remarketing agents that sell these bonds. They'll come in and say, here's the language you put in your term sheet to these customers to show this new interest rate and how it works. Um, here's an example document. Here's an example of the letter of credit. Um, and the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta and those, those business partners in the market um, that we work with, we're going to be going through the transaction alongside you as a partner, okay? And, and there's no cost to do that other than what you pay for the confirming letter of credit. Uh, and so we make sure you have the tools to be successful. So uh, instead of worrying about, I've got to be an expert at this, uh, at this operationally and legally and how to close this, you just need to be able to pick up the phone, call your relationship manager and say, um, hey, Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta, I'm trying to win this relationship or I'm about to lose this relationship to a competitor and I need a lower interest rate option. Um, I heard about this letter of credit product. I know this, this market now is a good time to do this. Show us what this is going to look like. And, and the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta will take you from start to finish and provide you the support that you need. Um, the other thing I want to point out is that you can use this transaction uh, structure for anything that you would normally lend on. The Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta has done this, and the Federal Home Loan Banks across the country for medical uh, you know, manufacturing, you see these examples up here. We've done these in Atlanta. Uh, we've done these in Florida. We've done these in every market that we have. There is no prohibition on any different type of thing. Sometimes we have people who say, well, it's the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta, so it needs to be, we think it needs to be some kind of housing transaction or affordable deal. And that's not the case. All it needs to be is a customer of yours who you're trying to provide financing for. 
Um, the deal size on these, we've seen these at a million dollars. We've seen these at a million and a half, and really at about a million and a half to two million, uh, they work very well from there and up. Uh, anything smaller than that takes a little work. Uh, if you're below a million, it's probably uh, not worth pursuing. Um, but a million, million and a half, give us a call and let us bring our partners in to talk to you about what it looks like. Um, and so just have this available uh, to you in your in your toolbox to look at. Um, the other things that you might see with these are uh, insurance premium finance. We've seen a lot of that over the past few years. Um, we do provide confirming letters of credit for workers' compensation. Uh, we get a lot of, of that business in as well. There's a lot of different ways you can use this uh, this product, but just just as a basic understanding, it's a lending tool. It's just a different financing structure for a commercial um, loan. You can use this uh, letter of credit product for, for your own organization. We had a company, we had one of our shareholders actually build a new branch using this to get their funds because it was cheaper than the capital they could raise otherwise. Um, we've done lease exposure. So if you have a, a landlord who wants a guarantee of that lease or you have processing that needs to be guaranteed with like a MasterCard, um, you can use this, this for yourself as well as for your customer. Uh, Patrick, our first question. The bonds are low rate, but floating. How would I convert it into a fixed rate since that is what my customer is being offered by competitors? Uh, part two, how much does a cap cost, uh, derivative accounting? Do many of these deals embed a cap? And how much does that swap cost? Great question. So, um, so to answer the question, we're looking at um, this being a floating rate transaction and how do we go from that to a fixed rate. And so you're right. You can purchase a cap and you would do that outside the Federal Home Loan Bank. So the Federal Home Loan Bank does not provide the cap and we don't provide the swap, but there are third party uh, vendors and partners you can work with to do that. Um, I'm going to make two points there. One, if you go back and I'm just going to really quickly kind of go back through these slides to look at this variable interest rate. So we look at that total of 2.015%. And when we look at a swap, um, you're not swapping that. Okay, so if I were going to buy a swap for this transaction, my trustee fee is fixed, my remarketing fee is fixed, both of the letter of credit fees are fixed. So there's no reason to hedge anything from the trustee fee to the wrap fee. All that's already going to be fixed. The variable interest rate of 0.15% is what you're going to convert to a swap. And so that swap uh, is going to be uh, on a lot lower of an amount than if you were swapping out 2.015%. So that's the first point I would make, um, is that you're going to do that on that 15 basis points. Um, the second point I would make is that very few people do the swap, um, and, and, and they haven't done it in the past because the rates have, uh, have been so much higher. If you were going to swap it, you want to do it from a place that the swap doesn't have a lot of room to move against your customer. And swapping out 15 basis points doesn't leave a lot of room for it to move against your customer. These transactions were being done back in, I remember, 2007, where we were doing swaps at 7%. Okay, There was a lot of room for the swap to move against your customer at 7%. Okay, and so what we saw on a $5 million loan was you'd have $500,000, dollars $700,000 prepayment penalties. Um, and so that was a big risk. 
in this environment, that is not as big as a, of a concern because, again, there's just not a lot of room swapping out 15 basis points for it to move against your customer. That being said, uh, so, so to answer your question, yes, you can embed a cap or you can swap out that floating piece. Not a lot of people have done it historically. Now is the time. Um, on the pricing of those, I have absolutely no idea. Um, this interest rate environment is crazy, uh, and our our uh, partners, though, if, if you want to reach out to me, I will bring in some of our uh, capital market partners, and we can get you some answers on that pricing. But offhand, I have no idea what it would be today, um, although I think it would probably be um, a lot more palatable on, on such a small swapped uh, variable piece. Thank you, Patrick. Our next question, what information do I need to share with a borrower if going this direction over a traditional financing? Hey, that's a good, uh, that's a good question as well. And it's really going to look and feel very similar. I think the things that your borrower needs to be aware of uh, is that this is a variable rate product. So that's one. And that's no different than if they were borrowing uh, at Prime. Right. If you said you're going to borrow from me at prime plus one, they understand my interest rate is going to change in this. They just need to know it's going to change and it just changes more often. So these are weekly reset. Um, so really, you're going to define the interest rate difference and the transactional difference is what you're going to share with your customer. So you're going to let them know, hey, you're going to pay interest once a month and it's going to be this rate. And it's just going to be set a little different than you're used to. But but here's where it starts at, at you know, at, at 15 basis points. And you're going to get a bill for interest every month. And then you're going to have to pay me, you know, my letter of credit fee annually. Uh, and and what our shareholders do is they break that up into 12 monthly payments that they put into your institution. Uh, and then they take it at the end of the year. And then if you have any principal reduction, that just gets factored into that as well. So they're going to make a monthly payment. Um, your remarketing agent, the person that, who's responsible for selling these bonds at the end of this transaction, is going to help you on your, uh, on your term sheet and commitment letter to, to communicate those differences to your customer. And we will also be happy to be part of any calls with them on the front end to help you define how that interest rate works, how it's set, and what the differences are up front. But the things you want to communicate to your customer is you're getting a floating rate deal. This pricing chart is a good place to start to show them that that 15 basis points is what's going to change. These other things are not. And other than that, it's going to look and feel exactly like a commercial loan. Patrick, this looks like our last question. How are exposures handled for these types of transactions? How are exposures handled? Okay, so I'm going to try to answer your question the way I think you're, you're asking. But if I'm not, um, just feel free to, to type it in. Um, so th this exposure is off balance sheet, so it's not going to show up anywhere um, on on the balance sheet. So if you you pull your portfolio listing and you've got a you know a thirty five million dollar loan portfolio and you make a five million dollar letter of credit that's unfunded, you're going to have a thirty five million dollar loan portfolio afterwards. Um, what you're going to have is a lot of fee income uh, that goes along with this transaction, but the exposure is just not going to be on the balance sheet. What you do have is a uh, is an extension of credit. So from a loans to one borrower, uh, from a legal lending limit standpoint, that's all going to be the same. So if you can only extend, you know, nine million dollars in total credit to somebody, uh, normally, this is not going to get around that. It just will be off balance sheet. So you're gonna you're gonna have a area uh, schedule RCL of your call report where you list these. Um, 
but you're not going to have a, a balance sheet entry. Thanks, Patrick. We do have another question. Please walk us through the process and cost associated with a transaction that goes south. Okay, so for a transaction that goes south. Okay, so let's say that we made a loan uh, to a, uh, let's just use a private school as an example. A lot of private schools have been financed with this structure. And let's say that uh, that school closes down and they call you up and they say, uh, hey, we're going out of business. We're not going to pay this. Uh, what's going to happen is your letter of credit, let's say it was for $5 million, you're going to get a draw for that. You're going to notify the trustee, hey, our customer called us and they're going out of business. That trustee is going to draw your letter of credit. So now, now instead of a zero balance on your balance sheet, you've got a fully funded $5 million loan. Okay. And now you've got your collateral and you've got your covenants and you've got your guarantees, whatever you had, and you're going to seek the same recourse as though you had made a $5 million funded loan on day one. So there's no additional difference or cost or credit risk than if you had made it a loan. It's exactly the same. Your collateral is worth something. Your guarantees are worth something. Um, your, your loss given default is the same. Your probability of default is the same. Uh, and so everything will work exactly like it had uh, should you have just extended a, you know, a, a 35 month funded loan on the balance sheet. Now, there is one difference to this in that if you get into a, uh, if you get into a situation with your customer, and let's use this COVID environment as an example where we all had to do some kind of deferrals, um, with our credit customers, if you want to change the payment structure, of these, it's super easy to do so because the only thing that the bondholders care about is getting that 0.15%. So if you want to lower your letter of credit fee, or if you want to stop, pause, alter the principal payment structure, you own that and can do it as often as you want without having to go back into this transaction and change it and restructure it. It can sit there just exactly like it was, and you can stop principal payments, or you can lower your LC fee. Um, in order to give your customer some relief, and then you can change those things back when you're done. So from from a like a TDR or a debt restructure or a temporary relief, I think it's easier uh, than working with a normal loan. And and should the entire thing collapse, worst case scenario, it just goes goes on your balance sheet as a loan, and you work it out as you normally would. Um, that being said, if I'm going to give somebody a one and a half percent letter of credit fee and a variable interest rate of 15 basis points, um, these are going to be my, my very best credits. And so um, I have not seen these uh, implode because of uh, repayment default in the past. Thanks, Patrick. We have a follow-up uh, question on that. Uh, mm -hmm. What costs come back from FHLB on deal that has gone south? Um, there are no costs that comes back from the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta. So our our confirming letter of credit uh, is just what it is. So if you're paying us 20 basis points, we're, they're prorated on a day count. So if it, if the deal implodes, your letter of credit is drawn. You would terminate our letter of credit because you don't need it anymore, and you've and you've paid on yours, and so you would just stop paying us, and that's it. Um, in in the I would say extremely rare situation that a shareholder didn't honor their draw on the letter of credit and ours was drawn, it would just become an advance. But but that's probably not going to happen because if we get the draw, we're going to call you and say, hey, this, this letter of credit is being drawn. Um, 
and, and, and yours needs to be drawn before ours. So. Thank you. And that looks like all the questions we have. Patrick, any final words for you before I wrap up? Um, I would just add um, that, the, that the purpose of this, um, this kind of continuing education that we do and when we, and when we have these, we're just trying to let our shareholders know, hey, here's where the market is. Here's what we're seeing from our shareholders. Um, really, we just want you to know this is out there. And if you have an opportunity where it can win you business or it can keep somebody from poaching one of your customers, just know it's there. Pick up the phone and call us. Um, it's not uh, it's not a sales pitch. It's not a um, it's not a endorsement of uh, of credits or anything like that. If if you see a deal or a transaction that comes from us, it's just a hey. We want you to know this is out there. We want you to be familiar with it and have it in your toolkit because there are competitors out there. Uh, whether those those you know there are those uh, large national banks that do 81% of this business or their community banks or credit unions that are using this structure in, in your markets, we just want you to know it's there. And then when you feel like it's an appropriate time or when it benefits your organization, you can reach out to us and we'll help you execute on it um, to take advantage of it. So just know that it's out there and that's our goal.